0: Okay, so the, uh, you know, I saw you playing the tuba. Yes. And this thing has, it looks like it's a mile of pipe, right? A in quarter the tuba. mile, actually. It's a quarter mile of pipe. <laughs> and you blow into the tuba. And tuba has to be one of the, my favorite instruments. It goes right through me. I love a great tuba solo. I've listened to a few of yours. It seems like you would have to blow an amazing amount of air to get any sound coming out. It would seem like
1: it would come out three seconds because it has to go through so many pipes. It literally feels like it. Sometimes that is a lot of tubing. Um, the main key though has been able is developing good breath control techniques that help to be able to not only get that air to go through the instrument, but then to sustain it. So that way you can completely continue playing melodic lines or, or off certain harmonies or using your tongue to be able to develop certain articulations, little pops. Um, I've been going at tuba, honestly. Um, I started actually practicing it when I was in the Air Force Band back in 1984. Um, I came in as a trombonist to the band and was able to go ahead and work my way around through all the instruments. So my primary is a bass trombone, Um, but bass trombone and tuba are so close. The only thing is, is that one of them, you're doing the slide and the other with the valves. But I always wanted to explore it because I hadn't heard that many great tuba players. And then um, as I started practicing it, I came to realize exactly what you're saying. This thing takes a lot of air. (laughs) You're like literally you go, hi, how's it going? Okay. I've got it. You know, two and a half seconds in, and you're lucky to get like one note to go. "Uh."
0: It has like a very in Wonderland feel to it. It does. you
2: know, no, I totally. want to Peter something. and the Wolf. I, I, I think of it a little bit, but that's the French horn, I know, but it's, it's a little Peter and the Wolf.
1: Yeah, but the, the whole, that, uh, that whole sequence or that particular piece as well, you notice because the, the tuba lays down at times these bass lines, these melodic notes in the little register like that, that sets everything else up for the encounter in Peter and the Wolf. Right, so, all right, I mean, right, I mean, right. Playing along, of course, with the, with the string basses. Right, But it's 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 a really, it's an incredible instrument because you can do so much with it, but it has the foundation. Right. As I used to tell my like high school or middle school students years ago, it's like, dude, you're laying down the bass. Literally. It now, once you figure that out and you can get your sound and your air to work for you, then you'd be amazed how much more you can do with it. Nice. So I'm going to introduce you guys. Uh,
0: well, away we go? Yeah, away we go. So Layton and I, Layton, We'll start, this is our fourth podcast, so, ladies, uh hopefully you guys know us by now, but we are with Ron Wilkins today. Ron, right now, is in Funny Girl. Yes. On Broadway. Yes, I am. And playing the trombone. Um, he has. He's played all around the world. He has been, uh, he has shown Ron Wilkins' Quintet. I don't know if that's present, but, he, you know,
1: it's certainly a, a lot of stuff online about it. Oh, yeah. And... Take it away. Thank you. The quintet is still present right now. It's in a fluid state because I'm I'm sitting and playing in a Broadway show six nights a week for eight shows. your time is a little spent, Ron? Is that what you trying to say? At this time, yes. Okay. <laughs> like, very much so. Right. Uh, it's a fantastic show. It's a story of uh, a comedian, uh, vaudevillian actress and singer, uh, Fanny Bryce, who was a trailblazer, uh, literally in entertainment industry as uh, one of the few, if not one of the only women who came through at her time period as a Jewish woman in particular, and was able to become a vaudeville, a vaudeville star through the Ziegfeld Follies. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting little conical of her life and the relationships between family and, of course, her, her eventual lover and then husband, Nikki Arnstein, who is a professional gambler. These days, it doesn't seem like an unusual well, statement.
0: Well, what's interesting about that was the, my mother made us listen to every show. Like, I know all the words to West Side stories, Funny Girl. So wow. Funny Girl was originally Barbra Streisand.
1: Yeah, it was. Right, right, right of
2: course. So and that's... The- I remember, I remember seeing video about that. So I know after all the words <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> and-
0: I'm old enough to actually remember seeing I, re- the, the <laughs> I remember seeing uh, <laughs> I yes. even know the works the Princess of the Peace, South Pacific. Are you wow. kidding? No, my mother had me listen to it. Wow. So, yeah. it.
1: It is. Hey, here's hardcore for you. I played South Pacific numerous times when it came through on tour through San Antonio or Austin, Texas, because I lived wow. there for most of my life before I moved here to New York, which is home. Yeah, right. And Ron, you consider,
2: d- despite your, your what, what I, what I, what, we're gonna get delve into later. You, could, you consider New York really home. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. That's this All is right. where I thrive, man. This is where oh. I live, breathe, eat, sleep, etc. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. And 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 so I'm gonna roll back. I have a question. You you seem to like all of a sudden like get really excited because this is, this is this is these conversations are about creativity, but somehow that storytelling about Fanny Bryce like do you find a connection to yourself to that particular character in the in the in the, in the show? You know what I mean? Like I I felt like you were telling some part of your own story by like proxy Fanny somehow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, in a way I am because, you know, coming up as a young black kid growing up in San Antonio, Texas, being the son of a, uh, one of three boys and their parents who are military. My father served for 20 years in the army and my mom was a career educator and eventually came became a high school counselor and uh, done, done in San Antonio. But for me growing up as a kid and trying to figure things out and... Uh, Realizing and learning at a very early age, you know, growing up in the black church, for right. instance, about the importance of of, of the relationships with God, uh, Christianity, your heart, your spirit. Um, I mean, I, I, I grew up all involved in that. So when I actually started learning through my parents about encounters in particular with other people and other races, in particular, white people in this country, um, I came to find out there's some really hard lessons. So my mother, being the educators, decided to make sure that we understood our history. and We learned about who we are. So you remember Ebony magazine, of course. Oh, yes, I do. OK, yeah. so with, the deal is, is that at one point, Ebony back in the late 60s or so was really blowing up. And we were getting our share of the copies of it. So my mother made sure that we got this encyclopedia series. We had an encyclopedia Britannica over here on one side. So we could read and study about the world. And then we had the African-American or Negro-American encyclopedia of American history wow. that you could get through Ebony magazine. Wow. So we actually saw at times and there was like, you know, startling <laughs> first, because I'm a kid and I'm, I'm an avid reader still. Right. Um it was startling and shocking to me to see all of this stuff that would have happened to people of my low appearance, people of my demographic, people of my heritage, my history. You know, black folks were just like, it was rough. It was, it is rough. Enough. It, it is still rough. is. No, the struggle very is still rough. very much real. But um, at least I got an understanding. And right. growing up in particular, in my side of it, as a military kid, I was exposed to a lot of different people from all over the world. At one point, we were growing up. We had families and friends who were black, who were white, who were, you know, European. Um, and to me, it was like, I, I was raised with the attitude and the atmosphere that everyone is equal, especially you. So mm-hmm. never doubt your, your heritage, your strength and, and your determination to be who you are. So um, as a kid growing up, I encountered uh, racism and racial issues that led me to go ahead and wonder, at first, can I overcome this? You know, there's nothing, There's no, living down in San Antonio, which is still South Texas, at cool. one time, I remember on my junior year, a couple of white kids dressing up as Klansmen and showing up for the oh, dressing nice. day. That's and a big no-no. No. Yeah, that was stupid. That was yeah. extremely stupid. So- trying to trying to scare all the black kids, of course. Right. Uh, the one thing that uh, you know, they're ju- they're just being um, reflections of their heritage. Right, right, right,
2: right. They learned scare tactics. They were taught scare tactics. They grew up in
1: scare tactics. But sure. I have another. But, but swinging back down to fa- to to what? What to second, Fanny Bryce though? Yeah, please. Yeah. I'm I. am i will go off on a tangent in a hurry. <laughs> no, no. Me too.
0: Me, me Not too. a
1: problem.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> so so like, did you? You know, I always have, you know, I, I'm, I'm sometimes educated and not always educated because everyone, you know, I think a lot of people look at the Black family and I don't, uh, and I think we're all, we all learn the same thing. We all have the same encyclopedia right. and, you know, somehow, but the, I have a question. Did you, fi- did you, so one of the things that I don't know is that sometimes I feel like as, as Black, as, as a Black family unit, there's a lot of, pre- not pressure, um, advice or mentorship on doing like the kind of white collar jobs. So, all yeah. of the, like, did you get support from your military dad and your educating mom to to be a
1: musician? Not as much at the beginning. The thing okay. was was that when I was five years old, I was already singing uh, singing solos in the church. Oh God! Gotcha. Wow, what, go. what a friend! when he had in Jesus. Oh yeah, that's that, that's, got, that's that's those are street creds for black folks. For street creds sure. indeed. <laughs> but I started realizing at an early age that I had a good voice, right? And I could hear the music. I could really hear it. So as I continued growing up and I, you know, I did the singing for a while and then my voice cracked and all of a sudden I realized I couldn't sing like Michael Jackson anymore. So hey. it was like, okay, it was over, it was time. <laughs> Later on, I discovered and remembered through my dad's recordings and such about uh, listening to great jazz singers. And I found my voice doing that and going into jam sessions along with an instrumentally. But back to this whole thing in the analogy of the family and the Fanny Bryce and the support more so. My mom was big about me being either being an educator, like a teacher, or at one point she had gone through and, and took me over to a Mensa meeting, and uh, they registered my IQ as high enough to be considered a member of Mensa at oh, wow. age really? seven. Wow! Yeah. Are you still
0: are you still active at Mensa?
1: I am not. Okay. I am not. I at the at that time it was. Um, I wasn't as much thinking about the think tank as I was thinking so much that I could go back to the school and, and say, see, I'm smarter than you guys. I knew it. I knew it.
0: <laughs> so here, here's, uh, my qu- here's my question for you. So when you were, I'm going to ask this to Leighton also, yeah. when you were thinking about being a musician, did it happen over time or did it say like, aha, uh-huh, this is what I want to do? Was there an yes. epiphany or a, a,
1: a process? I It was um, a process leading to an epiphany. Okay. Uh, how about oh, this land? Was it a process? Yeah, or I
0: think anything?
2: definitely, definitely landing. I didn't, I couldn't tell you at, at, at seven. I always was crayons and drawing and mm. and and um and um uh, oh gosh, uh, oh gosh, what is that paper anyway, newsprint and and chalk, all that stuff. But I couldn't tell you that I would go land on architecture mm. and design and have to do with space and environmental behavior. I, I did not know it was going to do that, you know? I thought it was going to be about color and and and
0: composition, which in part it's about, but it's it's not wholly about, yeah. It's so funny because mine was so easy. My uncle, when I was 12 or 13 years old, took a picture of a double exposure of me boxing myself. And I was like, oh yeah, nobody was doing double exposure. And It was just like putting a card on one side of the camera and then a card on the other side of the camera as a Polaroid. And I just thought it was so magical, you know, that I it brought such joy to me that I thought about being a photographer for the next bunch of years, except that my parents always said that, you know, it's a good hobby, not a great career.
1: And (laughs) that's what my parents said about music too. eh? Yeah, interesting. How about you, lady? Oh no! I was definitely,
2: you know, my father is an artist, and he had absolutely no question that wherever my son wanted to go, I I have feel very lucky and blessed to have the father that I did. He's like, yeah. you're an artist, you 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 do art. What do you need me? To, what do you need from me? Mm-hmm. So, and that was really that was kind of amazing. So, yeah, uh, so I yeah, so, yeah. so, so for me. I already knew it was going to be art. It was either going to be acting or art. And by the time when I didn't get into high school of performing arts, I knew it was going to be <laughs> the other one. <laughs> for
0: me, it was applying to grad school.
2: Probably.
0: And yeah, when I was applied to grad school, I just decided I, I need to do photography for two years before I go to grad school. Now I'm doing this like 40 something years. So mm. the, you know, Wow. so yeah so it was it was a process it was an epiphany into a process back into an epiphany
1: i like that yeah mine, mine came about at first because uh my uh older younger brother and i but three son three uh my folks had three kids uh we used to do a lot of singing together at one point wow. and then my father bought us an old TAC reel-to-reel deck so oh my, yeah we, and we could go ahead and get the mic and plug it in and record onto it it took like a you know 25 d batteries or something to run it <laughs> back That's in the day um, how awesome was the sound out of those things though actually it was pretty good yeah it was great. pretty good uh you know the one of the perks on my dad's side of it from being a military and then eventually retired military was that we were able to go ahead and uh, get onto the base and occasionally we would get like some first-hand uh quality stuff clothing shoes and such because you could shop over there on base Well, my dad was kind of an audiophile, and uh, I remember when he first came back from his trip to Germany, uh, he brought back this huge Blaupunkt like home system, so he could go ahead and play his Ellington and Basie records on and jam out on. What is this? uh, How do you say that again? For Blau, it's uh, it's pronounced Blaupunkt. Blaupunkt. It blew something. Blau. Blaupunkt. You know, and to be very honest with you I, um, about it, I hadn't really thought as much about the actual meaning behind the name as I had more so the fact that this shit sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's,
0: that's, right, straight that's, up.
1: That's true, that's true, Straight up. So, right. um, you know, uh, as, as far as um, from listening to the stuff and recording with my brothers, then it was that the interest was going towards knowing that I was going to eventually play something in the band. And I thought I was going to be a drummer. I thought that you know I had the rhythm and such. My folks brought us a little drum, play drum set, and you know like little play guitars and such like that. So we're up here going ah! and just <laughs> going off on our tangents, trying to sound like I don't know the Temptations or James Brown. Or oh yeah. So, so temp-
0: basically, you're the kid that if they say do this, you're going to do that. <laughs> you know. In
1: a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. But I was also considered the <laughs> good son. Oh. Where um, I was the one who was, like, at, at times really the most devout. I mean, you know, I used to eat, sleep, and breathe Sunday school and and Baptist training union, and, and you know, I had all the books of the Bible memorized and memorized verses and such. And uh, I still remember at one point, to be honest, going through puberty and reading Song of Solomon a lot more than I thought I should have. <laughs> 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 it was like, wow, this is
2: good. they temptress. temptress, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah yes, yes, yes. yes, yes.
1: No, so no
2: um, that's amazing. Ed, you mentioned, I don't know why I wanted to just, this word came in, maybe, it, you know, it's magic. You, um, uh, the magic came. And so I'm just wondering, how does, how does magic, if, if, if um, is your creativity just completely craft and practice and discipline or, or do you know, does, does, the, does the spiritual part of the aspect of your, of, of, your per- of who you are as a person play into like your creativity around playing or picking mm-hmm. up the instrument. I don't know why I've thought about the spirituality and the magic together, but maybe it's separate or. I, I,
1: <laughs> I think one person's spirituality is another person's magic. Right, okay. I really do. So I think that they, they, they run parallel and intertwine depending on whose interpretation you're talking to. For me, they're very much, there's a lot of similarity. A lot of similarity, um, uh, but as part of my process, especially growing up as a kid and being uh, uh, at that time pretty devout, um, mm. I came to uh, realize that when I would started to figure out jazz, for instance, I ended up on a trombone, uh, courtesy of my middle school band director, because I didn't I didn't have rhythm. <laughs> Seriously, I, I took a percussion rhythm test and failed miserably, not knowing how to be able to coordinate my limbs to be able to make these certain things happen. So uh, needless to say, I ended up on a trombone. But when I would get to these points where I was starting to play the instrument and get to in the whole thing, the, the physical meets the metaphysical to me in that. It's, right. it's like you start understanding, as I found later on, about vibrations that hmm. can happen through the instrument on certain frequencies, certain pitches, tonalities. Um, And I would equate those at times as I started becoming a little bit more adept and actually taking the chance to go out and play at a jazz club at age 13 um, of trying to figure out first, you know, how to play a blues. You know, you grow up, you grow up honestly as a black person at one point or another, you are influenced by the blues. It's it's just going to happen, whether it's from a musical or emotional or intellectual standpoint. But... um, so I would go in and I would try to work up a tune with uh, this little jazz band, which had this fabulous duo that ran it, this jam session. Um, Kyle Keener, who was this jazz drummer and singer, sung like Mel Torme, and uh, Polly Harrison, who was a phenomenal uh, jazz guitarist. We used to call her Polly Pizzarelli because <laughs> uh, she's, yeah, she's, she's in the same boat as I consider as the, the, John and Bucky Pizzarelli, the two of the greatest jazz guitarists who have ever lived. Uh, Bucky passed away about a year or so ago. John, his son, is still performing, but they all play this particular Italian brand seven string guitar Mm. that gives the most incredibly warm and rich sound. You can do so much more because you have a seventh string as compared to the six. So Polly played this instrument. It's made by this company called Benedetto. So when I would be going in with them, I would at first, yeah, you stumble, you fall, you trip. You know, it's like, okay, play Autumn Leaves. Great. What key? What's a key? (laughs) I do this by (laughs) ear. Here, sing it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, uh, But I, you know, I came to understand also that um, once I got a little bit more of the control of it, it was about learning how to ride the bike in a way, getting your balance. So
0: so what's your... As it, it, I'm learning to ride the bike, what does your creative process look like? Like, what turns you on about your creative process? And what does First, a perfect day look like for you? Creative? What?
1: Wow. Uh, I'm I'm still every day for me at this point, especially after going through COVID, is a perfect day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Every day. Yeah. Every day. I'll take that blessing anytime, twenty-four-seven, three-six-five. <laughs> um. The the thing that got me going back to the whole thing with frequencies and vibration. When I started hearing these things, because I have this sense of hearing now, in this condition, if you will, called perfect pitch, uh, it allows me to be able to hear and recognize pitches instantly, as well as then tones, tonality and such. But then I can actually go ahead, you could be in one particular tune in a different key and such, or playing a different rhythm, and I could hear something totally different, and then sing that over what was happening and try to find ways to interplay with it. To me, my creativity turned into this thing about like riding a bike, that's fun, but it's also can be like a game, a sport. So for me, creativity was finding out those roots of fun. finding out how I can go ahead and use this vibration to create uh, a sound and then eventually an environment or how to just be able to go "Ah," and do a blues. Right. I had to figure that stuff out. That's the part of the process. The epiphany came by the time I was in my junior year in high school, and all of a sudden, my teachers, my instructors, recognized my band in both choir because I was singing still and doing a lot more playing. That you can hear stuff, man. Do you know what you can do? And in a way, I'm like, yeah, I just hear this stuff and go, ah, that sounds great, <laughs> you know. And it's like, no, you have what we call perfect pitch. So they actually showed me some writing. Uh, and theory about it. And it, it, to me, it was fascinating. But to me, also, the other side of that, two guys, is that all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, man, I'm a black kid. I got perfect pitch. You ain't got perfect pitch. You can't hear shit. I can hear this, right? And then I'd get them responsible. Of course, you can hear this stuff. You're black. You know, people It's it like, hey. Oh. hey anyway, how's that playing with you for just for what
0: you do? Is, is, there, is there an equivalent or say so that you're speaking to me, Ed? Yeah, yeah. They say 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 that question again. You know, just being an artist and then being black, you know, and being an interior designer. How? Well, is- uh, this morning, I already had my
2: morning cry. I told you about that about, oh. about the whole thing. I had my morning, my Sunday morning grief. You know, just uh, just letting it go a little bit. That um, you know, it's not a, it's not an industry for for you know. I don't think when they, like, like, it's like the constitution. I don't think when they wrote it, it it included me, you know, the industry didn't include me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that we can all feel that way. I think Ed is a, a Jewish man. We've spoken about that, you know, sure. you know, things, it, it, you know, this is a, a, a very strange country and a strange place um, that constantly reminds you how, uh, like it was, it was, it was meant for like, five guys (laughs) the entire country was designed for five guys to really have a blast you know what I mean and the rest of us are really on the side so I would say you know sometimes I um I'm up against like you know a real kind of European uh colonized mentality around design decor and 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 yet we have you know throughout the diaspora, there's so much amazing ancient architecture and indigenous you know um precedents, but we've we we focus so much on the European version of things, you know, and that I think of, I, I mean that I think that's true in photo, you know photography, I think that's true. I mean, that's also a twentieth century or nineteenth century invention, of, you know a western invention, you know um so. Yeah, I feel I feel I feel disconnected from it, but I can't stop doing it. I feel disconnected from sometimes from my community of the industry versus versus what I can't stop doing, which
0: is play with space. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because one time Lane and I were having a conversation mm-hmm. and we we're just having this conversation about what, you know, he's doing next. And he he's an amazing designer and he. Uh, he has. Just done such great work, and and, and is recognized in this industry. Sure. And he just said to me, "Fuck racism! I just can't take it anymore." <laughs> so, uh, he, he was having a bad. No, and I yeah. said, "I I, goes, I said, Lady, I wish I could fix that, you know." But and so they "Who do you want to be inside of that?" You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I uh, I totally get it. Well, one of the <laughs> questions true. that I had to ask Ron <laughs> of you
2: on along along these lines was. Do you sometimes, and I mean, no, actually it's a, it's a personal question yes. as a as one black man to another. I feel like we have to do these two. I'm going to say it. You, you can scrub this out. fucking jobs, which is I got to do what I'm supposed to do, which is what the universe told me, cast me to do. Then I got to do this other job. Like, with all this noise around being black, you know what I mean? And like this two, I think that's, more, I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, which is like, this is, you know, sometimes one job is actually, is more important than the other. Sure. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? And, like and, and you're Absolutely. like, and you're stuck in the second job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> explaining to people why you should be there because you're you're you're, you're because you're talented not because yeah. you're black. you yeah. know what yeah. i mean or whatever so i don't know how, if you relate to that
1: <laughs> okay or let's, or, let's or go or back I... to the let's go back to the western european model of music shall we <laughs> yes uh, please I mean, Meanwhile, Please. back in the 17th century. <laughs> <laughs> really good good in a little town in Italy. In yeah. a little town. Uh, well, it could have been actually in Germany. For all in Germany, know. okay. More than likely Austria. Okay. More than likely Austria. Austria is like, you know, hey, you know, Wolfgang showed up. And everybody went, whoa, <laughs> what's up?
0: Um,
1: for me, it's like growing up as a kid. You know, when I'm introduced into this and in band, of course, I'm, I'm listening to my dad's record collection, and hearing these great songs and such. My mom, by the way, was a huge and still is to this day. Nancy Wilson fan. Oh, I love Nancy. Nancy Wilson. love me. love, Nancy Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, but when I got into the school band, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, I'm going to try and learn how to do this stuff. And no, the first thing we're going to do is work on how to produce a tone and then how to be able to play the instrument. And then you learn on doing these techniques to be able to play scales. And by the way, by the time you do get to music, It's not about being able to try and play something that's going to have as much cultural relevance to you as it is more so to the people who we have influenced or have been influencing our music on for years. And that is Western European models. Right, right, right. So therefore, you play Mary Had a Little Lamb and you come to find out that eventually, you know, you had this early American folk song, but it's not Native American. It's more so Anglo-American. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, my perspective on all this stuff was like, okay, I got to learn this stuff so I can get to the point where I can go ahead and play. I don't know. Um, you know, every day I have the blues, you know, so
0: guys like McCoy Tyner would take something like that and just turn it on its ear. of course, you know, of course, but that's,
1: that's, that was his particular and unique level of genius and creativity that was spawned from his upbringing. I mean, you know, when you're like 19 to 20 years old or something like that, and you're considered to be the next great one coming up, and this young tenor player named John Coltrane says, hey, man, you sound good. Let's play this tune. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, I
0: got to then And
1: your life forever changes. Right. Yeah. You, know. You, know,
0: you know, I had photographed uh, with Marsalis way, way back when. Oh, wow. And, uh, but he, one thing he said, he, you know, he talked about John Coltrane. And everybody said, oh, John Coltrane's this natural, amazing musician. And we said, no, John Coltrane just stole from you know or imitated every that stole, but imitated everybody's style to come up with this immersive style that became all John Coltrane. Sure. Sure. You know, and it was about practice. Oh, yeah. And, he, and so which leads me to my question. Give me an idea of
1: what practice. You're know, like, what is your creative practice? Um, well, you know, my creative practice starts off when usually I'm up and about and after having gotten my body woke, whether I've been doing it like some stretching or a little yoga, or perhaps just get up and saying, "Okay, it was a rough two-show night," <laughs> so I'm just gonna sit here for about I don't know two and a half hours, and eventually I'll go ahead and get a coffee. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I think I'll just do some mindless staring at the Price Is Right. I don't. Oh, know. I
2: love it. I oh, love yeah. hearing oh, yeah. this. Oh yeah. Thank I you. Mean, Tell yeah. us the truth. Tell us. <laughs> exactly you go stare at the inside of the refrigerator that's one of
1: my finding finding
0: your space
1: and finding your space
0: isn't that amazing it is
1: is. it is so i mean but you know it varies each time as far as that goes i i think my bigger thing though is is that um once i started doing my practice um it usually starts off with some breathing exercises and you know i still have one an incentive spirometer excuse me, that I use as a breathing device to go ahead and register and see where my air is at. And that's um, a result of, um, that's a result of your, 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 your uh, COVID? Well, actually that's a result more so Leighton of me having had good teachers in college. Okay. Because All right, as, so a, this as is a brass this is a player device. in particular, back to 2 or trombone, you have to be able to learn how to breathe and control your breath. Right. So I've been using incentive spirometer since I was like 16. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I sent a spirometer and a breathing bag. That's how I can hold the notes on the tube for so long. Ed, uh, there you go. I, it only uh, took forty-five years, but I uh, figured uh, it this out. This is a uh, com-
0: I listened I listen to Debbie's Waltz. I listened to Green Dolphin. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the
2: complete. Like I've got, Like um, have you done breath work as well? Like you, yes. do the, this 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 modality for in in the healing world.
1: I actually am, I have. I've done. More so, self care as far as that goes. Uh, but I have studied about breath work, and I've actually yeah. talked with um, other creatives that I've I've known in my life who actively practice breath work as a means of a holistic technique. Yeah,
2: you know, I've, 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 I've had a couple or, of sessions. Yeah, it's very. You know what's interesting? Totally side. So segue is especially in the addiction world and all sorts mm. of things like holding one's breath is a is a is actually. A sign, or, or let's say, a symptom of 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 other kind of emotional things. So what sure. is? So you, do you find your has has your life been free of of vices because you can breathe well, or has have you found have you found <laughs> some solace? You no, know
1: and I'm, I'm being very serious with you. I, you found, I I appreciate that. I just you know, I appreciate you your some, alliteration. I do. Yeah, like have you Not found
2: right. some peace through this? Th- your
1: ability to breathe. Oh
2: man, absolutely.
1: Oh, wow. That's,
2: Absolutely. I, that, I think a lot of people would like to hear that.
1: Which, Breath is I think, life. Yeah. Breath is life. Is, it's yeah. it the, the simplest of analogies. You know, when we, are, when we are exited from our mother's womb forcibly or otherwise, what's the first thing they do? They try to get you to breathe. Right. So that way you can live. Hmm. Breath is life. Now, in the process of going in, whether breathing techniques, which I've done in the past, and I've actually used not only for myself, but also for a lot of teaching and working with music students, in particular, young brass players, because they all got to learn how to breathe, even though they're like, oh, I can breathe, look.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Been there, done that, kid. No, no, right. No, you're surviving. You're not breathing. You <laughs> exactly. Right. But um, it has really... As I've studied more about the physical leading into the metaphysical process of it and even using it in terms of my own creativity. When I'm breathing in, sometimes I'm doing this very slowly so I can go ahead and get in the full measure of my inhalation from the base of my lungs and expanding my diaphragm cavity uh-huh. to a sudden going up eventually into the mid part, the mid chest here and feeling the expansion, feeling how everything fills with air, mm-hmm. that air is life, that is breath. When I take that all the way in until I feel it right at the base of my esophagus, then I don't close my throat. I leave it open and I just hold that air. And mm. all of a sudden, now I feel a little bit more of the expansion of the lungs. I feel a little bit more expansion there. I don't close my throat at all. I just hold the air in with my lungs. Then I breathe it out the same way as I did when I took it in. Wow. Feeling it come down here for where all of a sudden you feel around your clavicle, around your shoulders. You feel everything starting to the air moving out from you. When you do that at the same pace that you can breathe it in and you can actually feel that flow, that essence of it, the very energy of life is within our breath. That's wow. the creativity. Wow. To me, it's the same thing. When I breathe in air, I breathe in all of these things that are around me as part of the air. It's not just the oxygen. It's not just the cigarette smells that I occasionally get from four B downstairs, <laughs> or or the ganja man. I ain't ganja, hang well, we have to become a ganja nation.
0: <laughs> but what what's interesting, Ron? And yeah. is that you can take a practice, mm-hmm. and the practice becomes the beginning of your creative process. Sounds absolutely. like each day, absolutely, and and um, what. Could,
1: and what does that what does the practice bring you? You know, just in terms of the music. Uh, in terms of the music itself. I was gonna actually let me let me go just be honest for a second, okay. if I may. What it, it really brings me is a sense of being. Mm. A sense that I, just like everybody else around me, no matter how they use their air, we're all still breathing. We're all mm. still part of this. And and particular with COVID, because COVID really does a number on your lungs. So for okay. me to have recovered from everything from the 32 days I was in the coma to the 37 days on a ventilator and to now have my lung capacity back and at times feeling even better than it was before I was sick. Wow. Yeah. Do you think
2: you do you, do you, do you, do, the, do you, you think that's because of the of the of the post covid work you did in recover in
1: recovery or you just I- I think that has a big part to do with it because okay. I had some really good doctors, nurses, and therapists who helped me to be able to get myself together again physically, to where I could get back to then being able to apply those techniques, yeah. the the things that I do. But yeah. it all came back to the, once again the whole center thing, which was that when I came out of the coma, I realized the first things was that I was breathing. Wow. I was on a machine. I yeah. was breathing. And Ron was
0: in a coma for 30 days. Yeah. 32. I got a 32. quick question. Yeah, we're real. When you came out of the coma, did you think you were out there 30 days, or did it feel like one day?
1: Felt like a week. A week. Wow. You you
2: you felt time during that 32 days?
1: Oh yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, uh, to be very honest with you, too, Leighton, I was on some really hard drugs. Oh, no, no, no. I could imagine. <laughs> I mean, I could at that open. time, we didn't have anywhere close to a vaccine. They're still figuring out ivermectin. Remember that one? No. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, they really had me under. And uh, I had some of the craziest dreams, but I also came out of it with even more determination and insight as to some of the music that's still within me that I need to make and do right follow, i mean
2: they were probably in caverns buried deep deep
1: deep and you could oh, only go through it in that you know yeah yeah state, caverns know? tunnels the dark hole <laughs> yes. coming back wow. into the light uh it was uh yeah there was some recessed stuff back there in fact um i'm working on a project here called songs of my childhood where my brothers and i used to sing these little harmonies on tunes oh, that we just make cool. up so I'm going to expand on that and turn it into a jazz piece, or like a, probably a suite. Wow, oh, uh, I can't uh, wait to do hear that with up. my big band. Oh, well, I'll see you in about a year. <laughs> I'll see <laughs> no, you in about be- a year. I've got, I've got about, you know, at least five to ten projects on top of that. But once again, getting back to what we were saying earlier about having the job, job as compared to having the job right <laughs> remember the western european thing well once i figured that out then it was like being able to play in concert bands and orchestras like well we don't have black people in orchestras because they were done by white musicians look at these pictures listen to this music blah blah, blah. and i just got to the point where it's like for me it was like you know i can i can figure out jazz but I want to know more about this history of the music overall. I want to know more about this. So I did my undergraduate study at the University of North Texas, and one of the guys who befriended me by the time I was in my junior year there was the director, the uh, the director of orchestra studies there, and they also of the top symphony orchestra. His name was Ansel Brusilov. He was a uh, a fascinating man who has had such a passion for it. And he would come to me and says, you play with such energy and vigor. And, and by the way, you seem athletic. So would you come and play for the school softball team? <laughs> always, a, always a twist. But he was, he was a great guy. And he helped me in the summer of, whew, oh my gosh, 1978, 79, uh, of figuring out about orchestra. And I had also uh, gotten a chance to study with the top instructor there at the university, uh, back then it was North Texas State University, now University of North Texas in Denton. Uh, his name was Leon Brown. And Leon was a pedagogue. He was really into the repertoire and the study of it, as well as orchestral playing and such. Didn't know that much about jazz and kind of razzed me about it for a minute, but he came to realize it wasn't just my talent, it was also my determination. Mm, wow. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a come to Jesus moment in whole notes. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> because he, then he opened up his library to me and said, you can play anything. You should look at this repertoire. Um, and that helped me to be able to understand what the importance of how the history of the music from the Western European standpoint to eventually to more of an Eastern European and to more of the influences of Spain, the influences of the different islands, uh, Africa, right. the continent in and of itself. And then yet going from there to doing a tour over in Russia and finding out about Ukrainian folk songs and dances And being able to use some of that how they how the locals use it there to be able to expand upon jazz right i mean if nothing else i am part of an incredible global community that uh was fostered by american not black artists Mm. right and it has made the biggest difference i mean it's like dizzy gillespie i remember talking to him years ago because i actually did a performance with him and we we're talking together and I said, man, it's like jazz is everywhere. He said, yeah, it is. You can blame Louis Armstrong.
0: <laughs>
2: Among so others. that makes me feel really good to hear this, this story. I have to tell you, it's very healing to, um, to hear you say that because so much of this um, first job, second job, Um, BS. It it feels like, no, no, the story is is, BS. It is. is. it is. It it really is. It's a story. uh, Like my coach would tell me, it's a story uh, about uh, the way you decided to look at the world and what, what you did and are doing, uh, you decided to look at the world as a global community, despite whatever jobs people wanted to put whatever job jackets you know yeah. um yeah no so that's a that's a beautiful thing and also seeing the humanity in the connection with music through yes. all these cultures and 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 that we all own it like the breath almost exactly. just exactly like the breath right so very beautiful very very poetic um and and very, yeah I've, don't too, I, mean, I think i but you know part of part of me also says like well do you know how can we get more black people to understand that? How, how can we, because we have to almost take ownership of that to some degree, you
1: well, know, there's we can't, there's, uh, you know? there's not about almost, we do yeah. take ownership of it. We do. We okay. take ownership of it because it is a part of our heritage. It is a part of the essence that what has made us, you know, where did, where did songs like lift every voice and sing come from? Right. What are the roots of it? What is this diaspora, right. um, I said that right. I'm not sure. Um, but the thing is, is that this is all about understanding and and taking our heritage now directly to the young, to the old, to everyone to be able to appreciate. I mean, you know, I can turn around like last night. I'm over here and I just got through playing a big swing dance gig over at Lincoln Center at Damrosch Park with this incredible band called Swing Out, which is actually a big show done by legendary Lindy Hoppers. I'm representing. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but the uh, but the thing is, is that um, I did this gig and I'm playing with this incredible swing band led by this this wonderfully talented uh, writer, composer, arranger, woodwind artist named Al Vilner, um, who has been hugely influenced through his studies as a young man, in particular at the in Tel Aviv at this conservatory of music. And what did they teach them? Jazz. And right, who um, were the figures there? Not just the not just the Israeli musicians who appreciated and learned it, but their teachers, their instructors would all come back and say, "Yeah, because I heard Coleman Hawkins play it. Yeah, right. because I heard John Coltrane play it. Yeah, because there's this guy named Dizzy Gillespie, and he was named Dizzy because not, you know everybody thought he was crazy, but it's really because he could go, Wah-hah. you know." Um, hey, hey, so, hey, you, you know, lady, it's the heritage. Yeah. It's being able to actually take ownership of it. No, yeah. almost no, uh, maybe. You know, no maybe no, exactly. No maybes. None. Right, right. Maybe no, I, none. Think, I, think, I think what I
2: don't, what I have to step back and understand, sorry, sorry, Ed, for, for cutting you off, is, is how your, the, the music industry has passed in the, the, as an industry. As, a, sure. as an industry, it, it, it has it is coalesced differently than other industries. Like, I I, 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 yeah, I think it really has permeated the hearts and minds of people in a different way than other practices. Well,
0: right. ladies, in a way, you
2: were a founder then, right? In your industry. I am 100% a founder in mm. in, in my industry. So and you are, the, you are the, the Louis Armstrong and Disney <laughs> Gillespie. Right? I am the last <laughs> Louis Armstrong <laughs> of, of my, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. No. And, so, and, and, and this is very interesting that we're going to, that this is the segue because so I was talking about branding and I was having this conversation with a, a branding expert. And then okay. I, I really realized, and you know, to your point about almost, and I have to make a confession. I, I've got to, I'm going to meditate on my almost comment a little bit today. Um, that we have, we, there's a, there's this moment in time right now where we can, anyone of any, you know, wherever they come from can set the standard for what it is that they who and who they are about and um you know i listened to your album this morning um thank you yeah of course (laughs) no but and i and i realized i said so i didn't under i have i have i i can sing but i don't i don't i don't know and know music that that, you know as a as a as a technique or a craft and i was like who's singing who's Who's this beautiful voice? I thought it was at one point. I thought, is this Kurt Elling? I'm listening is what, what's going on? And then I realized it's 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 Ron. Ron's he's, tr- he's a
0: trombone, trombone vocalist. A trombocalist, a trombone. A trombocalist. Yes, yeah. So what's interesting
2: for beautiful. So I gotta say, I think I was connecting to something because 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 the word trombone came before, I wasn't expecting to hear your
1: voice yeah, <laughs> yeah. i appreciate I mean, that, I, you know I, that get, means, I get that a lot you know i
2: wonder if everyone knows that this trombonist has this most beautiful voice and he scats and does all this
0: stuff you know B and all this yeah. oh I'm, man yeah i love that uh, you thank know you.
1: thank
0: yeah, you yeah no I, I, hey Rod, i have a quick betty carter story i I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in, I'm in Paris and I went to a little jazz club I think it was called New Morning or something like that mm. and Betty Carter was doing scat and she's singing and clearly it's an all French audience and I actually went up and said oh Miss Carter that, that was amazing I said you speak English <laughs> 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 she to you
2: just have I think my favorite one of my favorite wow. song is her cover of uh, My Favorite Things. That's got to oh, be one of my favorite
1: yes. pieces of music. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. And, and as a jazz head for me, uh, it, it's such a great tune, but I, I am also a student very much still love the art. And, mm. and that's one of the things that helps to keep me grounded and yet still keeping me focused on my own creativity because I understand how the art has been developed and perpetuated, but there's also this element that, that permeates throughout. It's once again, this like the breath that's like the breath yeah. so checking out Betty Carter in particular singing on my favorite things that version of it you know that she did in the studio is great but what about the version that she did when she was live or what about this version when she was over at this little nightclub over here in Paris you know? right 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 Hanging out, it's like going that's the best version of my, my favorite things I've ever heard you know <laughs> <laughs> no, she was amazing just
0: oh, she was- and she would just go on and on I mean I was influenced by the music of the Four Seasons, The Temptation, because that's I what know. they played on when I was a kid. Sure. You know, uh, Diana Russ, it was the Supreme before it was Diana Russ and the Supreme. Mm-hmm. But all that, I mean, Laura Nero also is a big influence for me. And oh. I, you know, I, you know, grew up really loving pop music, you know, which got more into jazz and, and you know, stuff like The Grateful Dead later on. But sure. music was a bigger influence in my life than visual photography. Wow. Huh. And and that is really the thing that has turned me on. I love the experience of music. And I love the I love the experience of photography almost more than I love the actual pictures that come out at the end. I love the process, the process. Of actually taking the photograph. Sure. It's, it's I, that moment. Like seeing the picture sort of the you know, like if it was an album, you know, like making it is different, creating it is different than when you get to listen to it back or hear it back. But music for me was, I couldn't sing a note. My, my music teacher, Mr. Baldini, I think wanted to break my clarinet. I was like, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I never, fi- I never figured out the recorder.
2: I never figured out the recorder. Okay, oh my full, full confession. I, that's no. okay. <laughs> oh, my,
1: that's, I, I can appreciate both comments. The breaking the clarinet, though. Believe me, I, oh, I, no, I actually, an, I've actually witnessed an, that. He was an
0: angry. He was an angry teacher. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the only male teacher in the first to sixth grade school. Oh, and then having these horrible musicians, you know, mm-hmm. the, except one who we're going to have on this podcast, Felicia Pessel, who was amazing. Wow! And uh, wow! So, and I noticed this first grade; she's uh, again amazing. But anyway, back to our yeah. story here. Yeah. Um No, I have a que- I have a question for you both. You both. You both actually. Um,
2: about making you. You, uh, Ron. You. You mentioned earlier about making space. I think in photography, you want to talk about that, Ed? Like Ed, how do you make space in the in an image, right? Or 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 what are you doing making space there versus what maybe Ron is doing with making space with sound and vibration?
0: For me, space, say I'm having a really not great day. And for me, my practice, and to me it's always about practicing. My practice is okay, I can either sit on the couch and be and wallow. Or I can take my camera out and take a walk and see what happens. And sometimes my day only gets this much better, but it's at least this much better. And some days it turns into magic. Yeah. And new ideas come from it and new projects come from it. And and so for me, the camera, you know, I've survived illness. I've survived divorce i survived, you know, different parts of my life. The camera is always that practice that brings me back to a place where I can find at least a little joy. So mm-hmm. for me, the process of taking a picture is, oh, have I had pictures that I have loved as much as the process? Yes. And, and it's gone the other way around. Like for instance, when I, phot- I photographed Bill Clinton really quickly, it wasn't like a big thing, but he asked me to take a picture of him. Uh, with the the help at the at the building, right, mm-hmm. and he uh, so I went over there, and then as he was coming toward me, I said, "Oh, let's come come here and shake my hand," you know. And then I was told not to go get too close to the president. And the, what was the experience? I said, "Thank you, Mr. President, you shook hands." What a great experience! The picture was okay, <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Really, well, I got to oh, say, I to see me. what
1: you're saying." I got to oh. say to a president of United States, "Thank you, Mr. President." You know? That's cool. Yeah, that is very cool. I I love the way that it it relates about you related it to uh, Ed, in the in the fact that he had asked you to take this picture, and then all of a sudden in the process of working towards that, then afterwards you get the handshake, which was even greater than itself in effect right. than the photo could be. Right, but it's it's, it's just experience. because it, it, it's and it's in, and in part, if I can, uh, I'm thinking that because of the things you have gone through in your life and you've seen how despite the highs and lows your creative process still ascends as you've still grown from the knowledge of the, the, your life experiences to where you had reached that particular point now and you had the insight of knowing that with sometimes the shot is greater than the process but in this case the process and the result of it was greater than the shot that's yeah. that's a level of growth And creativity that you have achieved, be able to reach that point. And now look at you. Bye. Well, I I love love everything. Taking pictures of presidents,
0: dropping (laughs) names. That's what our podcast is about, is why creators fall in love with their process in their life. Sure. You know, that it doesn't always mean an amazing amount of money, but sometimes it uh, obviously it does, but it leads to a really great, joyful life.
2: You know, that's, a, that's a good question. I have a Like I just, I, I, um, I traveled to Venice recently and that's a visual arts, um, event to, for the Biennale. Do, do you have some outside of music now? Mm-hmm. Who, like, do you have a visual artist? Do you have a photographer? Do you have a sculptor or sculptress or someone that you go, wow, like, like oh, who, who do you, who's um, the hero for you?
1: You know, um, There are certain there are certain ones that I have have been moved by and it led me to go ahead and delve into um, what made them create this way. Um, As recently as about four years ago, I was over in um, Amsterdam and I was there as part of doing a a workshop and series of concerts for um this organization called the dutch bass trombone open i was recognized as a bass trombonist of note once again low frequencies baby so uh them low notes that foundation um so i was invited over and i was hanging out over in amsterdam and i got to go ahead and get over to the van gogh museum oh and i was smitten by the 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 different areas of his life that he chronicled through his art, through his sculpture, through his painting. I mean, to see a man of this level of talent manifest itself through study and, and to be able to evolve that genius. Um, I, I, you know, uh, I, I think Vincent van Gogh is one of the, one of the greatest interpreters of creative art that I had ever encountered. Mm. And still to this day, Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm not a big fan of self mutilation for your art. (laughs) That's uh, another story. That's a a big story. story. But you know what though? The thing is, is that look what happened to his creativity and his creative cycle after that. Right. Because there's this amazing body of work that is just stunning. But you see how his, his, his personal, his intellectual, his mental, even metaphysical or physical or spiritual process all manifests itself in certain ways in certain times in his life. And to me, that was probably one of the things that I felt like I could relate to more than anything else because yeah. I think that from starting off as a young kid with, the, with my brothers singing to where I was in bands and middle school and high school and then college and then a 10 year stretch in the Air Force Band where I got to hone my craft. I use air quotes too much. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I, 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 I get to watch myself a little bit more too these days, just because after going through everything with COVID and everything, I've understand and appreciated self-reflection a lot more.
2: A hundred percent. Self-reflection
1: got- as compared, and self-care as compared to selflessness, because even despite all those things of dealing with life, living in the pursuit of happiness, the happiness still comes from within. And it still comes from being able to take the breath every day. Nice. And being well, able yeah. to grow from that.
0: How about for you,
1: Leighton? Who was are who who's the
0: people that turn you on? What is the practice that you have that keeps you centered, just like Ron talks about? No, it's interesting
2: that when Ron was talking about um uh talking about the, the the kind of the history like leading up to the 20th century. And sure, I'm so. a I'm an early 20th century guy, so I I clearly the trombone is present in my, in my, in my visage, like, like, my vision of the, of Le Corbusier, and the, like, you know, people have gone to Africa, they've looked at the masks, the, the Mm -hmm. safaris have happened, and now they've turned them into paintings, you know, abstraction, jazz is literally emerging through that abstraction in, in, in non-symmetrical or asymmetrical balance, Mm. so, um, yeah, I, um, I see Kandinsky in my head. I see, you know, I see, Ooh. um, uh, when I think of, when I think of my architecture, my design, I actually think a lot of the abstract expressionists of mm. early abstract expression. So, and that was a definitely related to jazz. And I think one of the things that I teach that I did teach in my class, or I got, I decided is a, a book by called, um, by David Bodanis is E equals MC square. And it goes through the history of this equation. And jazz literally is happening parallel to like nuclear. You know, jazz is happening like, like quantum physics and jazz are happening exactly at the same time. And I don't think it's any, it's, 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 it makes total sense to me. Like we're seeing how the atom explodes into all these parts. And of course, we would, we would hear and create music that would do the same thing. So I, I, I see my work is actually jazz.
0: Oh, very good. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see it. I actually. Right. It's, fabulous.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, if, and Ron, if you'd ever have a chance and look at some, I definitely compositionally am thinking about. Oh, Layden, I've been bing checking bong bong bing bing bong you out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely right like color, saturation in this place, lightness there. Bong,
0: bing, bong, bong. You know? Yeah, interesting. Because for me, it was. My first influences were Gordon Parks. Mm, and yes. I got hit. some of my friend Gary Lichtenstein, who we actually have interviewed, um, gave me a book called Whispers of Intimate Things. I went, when I was 8, 17, 18, I just spent a year just copying his pictures. Oh, yeah. let me take a picture in the, the puddle or a woman in a flower shop behind glass. I literally would try to take Gordon Parks pictures. You know the pictures that he, you know, imitating his stuff, sure. And then as I got older, I got into jazz and, and really the, the psychedelic, the Grateful Dead. And my my stuff really, I love just very saturated carnival like you know, my pictures in architecture, tend to, you know, have that carnival feel to them, or in my panoramics, you know, I really take the oh. idea of. The old Grand Central pictures that they used to show. Remember, they used to have that big picture of Grand Central. Sure do. That yes. to me, that that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, to this day, it's not changed. And um you know, that my pictures really anything with portraiture, usually or abstract. It has to do with Gordon park mm-hmm. and the other one is the Grand Central picture. You know, and I, you know, I loved other people like Avon, and you know, not so much his fashion, but his portraits
1: were brilliant. You know? Sure. Sure. anyway I, I you know I mean I, I it's like I'm just going back into my uh, my sense of the learning and I, I love that Gordon Parks was a, a huge influence because I remember reading and studying about Gordon Parks and seeing you know various books or more so pages of his photography and always being fascinated for one just to be honest again being fascinated by the fact that, man, a black man did this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you did? Yeah, no, it's I, like, that brother's all over the world taking these exactly yeah. and such. Ain't nobody running around trying to go ahead and shoot his ass and shit. He's over here going, yes, this yeah. is what I do. Oh, so I anyway, I, I'm, photographer, I'm
0: walking down the street in like 1997 or so, Wow! and yeah. there come uh, 14th Street. The meatpacking was still sort of the meatpacking district, but it was starting to get a little nicer. It was in 97. Yeah, yeah and all of a sudden, Gordon Parks, who must have been ninety, you know, ninety years old at the time, or eighty, you know, in these late eighties, and he, he was, you know, still in fairly good shape, but not great shape. And his daughters were walking with him, and I walked up to him, and they're walking down the street, and I said, "Mr. Parks, you, the, you are the reason I got into photography. You know, you're, you're the, my guy." And his he she shook his head, and his daughters were like so taken by the moment oh. that they actually invited me to their house, which I never, I didn't take them up, but I just thought, like, oh. but they were so nice, and we sat down for a little while, and I got to talk to Gordon, and uh, that was like, just like a that's again the experience. Yes,
2: it is know. the experience, in, in, in how the photo- and how your craft brought you closer to your community,
0: yeah. you know? Exactly.
2: Absolutely. Exactly. Great. So... Yeah, no, this is it's amazing to talk to you, uh, Ron, and and really to to hear what I think is really a shaman who's practicing the drum roll. <laughs> And, I mean, and it's, I, funny,
1: it's funny because I actually studied shamanism for a while. I, mean, know, and that I, does I, not surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you in the language of the spirit. Growing up in a black church and all of a sudden realizing when you're out in college, it's like you know what? There's a lot more of this stuff going on than just the black church. What yes, than this addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. I I studied uh, Eastern philosophy. I I've done a little bit of study uh, in terms of Judaism. Uh, uh, of course, Catholicism. Um, you know, I, I I I look at religions at times the same way that I look at music. I try to see. How they go ahead and take a similar concept and expand on it in their in in their presence of life, in their presence yeah. of being. This mm-hmm. is how they are able to relate across. One man sees Jesus, the other one sees Muhammad, the other one sees right. the Buddha, the other one sees Vishnu. You know. And to me, it's like, there's there's this one thing once again that comes back and it correlates to all of it whether it's being able to go ahead and hang out in the middle of the meatpacking district and gordon park shows up or or whether you you you've caught this stunning insight that allows you to be able to utilize and see the essence of jazz coming about at the same time as you see nuclear physics to me there's a very little difference in all of that to where i am and it really does come down to our creativity once again, and that we, we have this wellspring that we are still tapping into. And it's important now, going back to once again, owning it as far as the culture and such, being able to say, this is our part of the wellspring. Mm-hmm. This is the water you can drink from. This yeah, the
0: well, for late, yeah, for late yeah. night, this podcast is our new drink. This is your wellspring. This is, this is our wellspring. Uh, this, the shaman showed you, up. You,
1: the yeah. shaman showed up and filled it full of glistening, clear libations this morning. The, you know, I believe me, I the beauty of this is, is all the interactivity that we're getting as creatives. This isn't a part another reason why I moved to New York back in 2012. Oh, nice. And I've had family here since the 60s and 50s. I, I got one last quick question for you. You used the word
0: essence yeah. three or four times today. What would you consider the essence? If you were going to describe, give me three words. What would be the essence? Wow, of Just your music. Me. Oh, no, as, oh. Many, or as many as you want. Uh, I, the you,
1: essence, the essence of my music.
0: Yeah, or the essence of your creativity. Like I can tell you, my mind comes from. Please. It's joy, creativity, and devotion. You know, like when I go go out and go do my photography, if I could connect to those three words, it's going to be a lot better than if I connect with my typeface slacker.
1: You know, <laughs> which is another well, that's two words, but still. Right. Thank And. From from what little time we've actually had to be able to get to know each other and meet and everything, you are the furthest thing from a type A. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, completely. I, I, you know, to your own self, be true. Right. So I can I can dig that. I, I um, I'll go with the first word, and that is the first thing that came to my mind as I was looking at this and all, and that is the breath. Okay, because that's the wellspring. What is what is the essence of the creativity in three words? It is breathing. It is thinking. And it is doing. Nice. Wow! When you breathe in, you get this flow of air in your lungs. What does your body do? It takes it and it spreads it to every cell. In your body your blood enriches it goes from a darker <laughs> blue from having been down in, in certain areas and goes to the heart and becomes vibrant red again from that oxygen the air you take in so when i breathe i that is part of the essence of me taking in life nice wow when, with that breath comes the creative thought and with the creative thought then is the action to do that thought
0: that is a beautiful essence. Thank you for sharing you, that. You, 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 that was it. That yeah. was, oh, okay. So, so Lane, hey, you
1: know. talk, talk to me,
0: talk yeah. to tomorrow after I watch right and I'll let you know a different <laughs> me. <laughs> Trust me, that's what my typeface slacker looks like. So, the, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Ed. There I'm you go. You, so, Lane, how about you? What is your, what would you, how would you describe the essence of your creativity? The you. essence of my creativity is
2: I would, the word vulnerability, immediately, um, for me to to be empathetic and compassionate to clients and their projects and to work in collaboration, I, I think vulnerability is important for me to be open to hearing and listening to other people. And I would say... Um, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna throw that word magic back in there because I'm a bit of an alchemist, um, and I think that we as designers we we have to be like to change your view on like you might you might enter in lead, but you definitely come out on the other side in, with gold. Mm-hmm. You know that's the kind of thing that design can do. It can change you. It can reset you, like the breath in a lot of ways. And um, so. Magic, alchemy, I'm gonna, or, or, and uh, vulnerability, and
0: action—like,
2: mm, nice. you know, or I would say, building, action, building. For us, we we like my world is either bu- built in a digital space or in the physical space. So, build action is together. I'm always wanting to realize an object, a thing, or the experience, and that can happen digitally or physically. But oh. yeah.
0: Um, so another um, beautiful one. So, so, guys, we
2: we we clearly our slackers were on vacation, right? <laughs> actually, so,
1: actually, I've got to I've got to be out of here at 1.30 to get back to my show at three yeah, o'clock.
0: Yeah, you run.
1: So, so, tell us where we can see you. Tell us your website. And give us all the info. I'll be glad to. First right. off, you can come and see me over at the August Wilson Theater, <laughs> or more so, hear me playing Funny Girl. Okay. The um, uh, you know uh led by the fabulous beanie feldstein in the lead role of fanny bryce ramin kamerloo as uh nick arnstein the raconteur gambler <laughs> and of course the marvelous jane lynch who plays uh fanny's mama
0: all and right jane
1: Jane's marvelous they're all marvelous oh my gosh it's a fun show aside from that i play every friday from 5 30 to 7 o'clock at birdland jazz club with the birdland big band of which i've been a proud member for the last four to five years um As far as any solo projects and such right now, um, not too much of that going on in part because of I'm I'm working the job. Right. But uh, the other side of it though is, is that um, I've been working and doing some touring with this fabulous um, ensemble Swing Out. Uh, So we have got a tour coming up in the end of this month in Los Angeles. We'll be out there doing performances. I highly check, highly suggest that you go and check out Swing Out. Whenever we are in the city, we just did our big show over at uh, Damaris Park, like I said last night, at, uh, at Lincoln Center. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I believe in the things that make life better. I believe in making more of those things, especially having gone through so much in my life. Uh, and Wade,
2: where, where, give us your
1: website. Yeah. Where, where do they get in touch with you? Ron. Yeah.
2: Ron, what's your website?
1: Oh, no, yeah! Your sorry, website. I went off on that tangent. RonWilkins.net. All right, and the first and thing you'll see there is my new album, Trombocalist, which right. you can go <laughs> with an access
2: to download uh, and Le- purchase. Give us your website. Uh, my website is LadenLewis.com. L-e-y-d-e-n-l-e-w-i-s.com. And Ed, your website is EdLehnermanPhoto.com and EdLehnermanCoaching.com. All,
0: Ed. all right, Ed.
2: gentlemen. Good, good, great morning spent with you.
0: Thank great you, Ron, me. so much, man. That was, this and was thank amazing. Thank you. What All
2: a right. pleasure. Hey, Ron, Ryan, I will be in touch. Thank you. Was yes, great Lane, you we, will, we
1: will be in touch. Absolutely. We have more creatives uh, to do here. Yes, I, I, 100%. I, 100%. Okay. All right. I am going to turn fun. this off. We'll catch you later, Ron. All right, guys. Have a good day, and uh, we'll see you later. Sound editing and theme
0: music by Will Ainsley. Brian Recepco was basically our mentor who really taught us all the technicals showed us how to get this online. We would not be here without Brian. So thank you, Brian. The logo is by Layden Lewis and Sharon McLaughlin of Mermaid New York City. And um, if you're creative, we would love to hear from you. We would love to, ha- to email us your story and if we like it, we would love to have you on. Uh, we are looking for creatives to tell their story, what their challenges are, what they love about working in the creative field, what is working for them. Um, so until next time, I hope you guys listened. This podcast is for you. Thanks.